Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On August 15th, 11 storytellers shared their story with our audience at Holyhound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was food stories. We heard stories about eating, cooking, eating or not to make weight for wrestling, and wildlife being attracted to s'more sticky children asleep in their tents. Mike Pritchard won with his story about the time he and his friends invented a new food. Uh, this is a story, hello, about the dangers of isolationism uh, and getting white people together in a small group. Okay, it's not going to get any better. Okay, great. Yep. So, okay, uh, I want to take you back. Uh, you can guess the number of years, but I was recently out of college, um, and a beautiful thing happens to you and your group of friends when you're recently out of college and you're lucky. Uh, a, n a number of things. You get a job, which means uh, that you have a paycheck. <laughs> oh, boy. So you got... You got money to spend. And then uh, this other great thing, because you just went to college, you are totally convinced that you're the smartest person in the world and that everyone else uh, has never thought of anything you have ever thought of and that your friends that you have known for somewhere between five and 30 years, uh, even though you're 22, um, they are also the smartest people in the world. Um, so this happened to me. I was... We were 22 or 23. I had a group of friends uh, that I had known since middle school, and uh, we all got jobs after college because it was the recession. We were incredibly lucky. And uh, we worked for about uh, three months, and we said to ourselves, we really deserve a break. <laughs> so... My, my friend's family had a cabin in... Um, doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's the middle of nowhere. They're all the same. Uh, so we drove up on a Friday night, and um, this group of friends, we're not good at, uh, what is the word, planning? Anything at all. Um, so we got up there, and like somebody had bought one of those like little bags of Cheez-Its, and, uh, I don't know, all of us individually had bought three cases of beer each. <laughs> Those lasted the first night. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, and on that first night, we thought, like, man, uh, we're going to need to, like, in, um, ingest calories this weekend that are not of the liquid variety, so uh, let's drink a bunch of beer and play a bunch of cards and let's just see what comes about. And um, as, you know, all of us have had about a case, case and a half of beer, we think to ourselves, what do we really like? Well, we're 22 and we're adventurous, so burritos. And we think, like, okay, so we know how to make burritos. Great. Um, but 
you know, we're drunk, so let's put an interesting twist on it. Uh, ooh, somebody's dad brought a, ca uh, a, a fryer to the cabin, like a deep fryer that you would make french fries out of. I got it. Let's deep fry some burritos. Okay, cool. So everybody make sure that somehow in the back of your brain, you like put that in there and remember it tomorrow morning somehow when we go to the grocery store uh, and we're like fighting down the nauseous, vomitous impulses of drinking a, ca a beer, a case of and a half a beer. Okay, cool. So Saturday morning we wake up and we go to the grocery store and we're like, all right, we're going to make deep fried burritos. This is the smartest idea any of us has ever ever had, and no one has ever thought of this before in the history of mankind. So you guys know how to make burritos, right? You know, so we go to the grocery store. I'm not going to bore you with like the boring parts of this where we had to like spend money on garbage ingredients and tortillas and whatever. We got it back. We go back to the cabin and the cabin's the kind of place where like you turn off the hard road onto the not hard road, and then you go down another quarter mile and you make a turn onto the even more less hard road. Uh, and then you go up the dirt driveway, it's like another mile and a half. So anyway, uh, we plug in <clears throat> the electric deep fryer and we think, yeah, this is a good idea. We make the burritos, put them down, eat them. Again, there's a lot of beer involved here. And uh, we think, this is, these are delicious. This is incredible. We are the smartest people that have ever lived. We should get a James Beard Award for this invention. <laughs> this is incredible. We go home after that weekend. We start to evangelize our incredible new invention, the deep fried burrito. And we start to tell people about this. And they go, yeah, you dumb shits. The Mexicans have been making that for years. It's called a chimichanga. <laughs> Mike earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is Susan Crawford. Susan shared a story about a time when, as a schoolgirl in England, she wrote a story that embarrassed her parents. I was saying it wasn't until I was an adult that I understood why a benign garnish, parsley, caused a, a splosh on my parents' reputation. And it was my fault. The parsley incident was mine. I grew up in England with two very proper English parents. And I loved, in school, I loved to write. And our school gave us these wonderful little composition booklets. They had a blank spot at the top where you could write a picture, and then underneath two or three lines where you could explain the picture. So I was always casting around for stories. This really was my favorite subject. And one day I came home, and my mother was at the stove, and she had a big pot of boiling water on the stove, and she was throwing parsley into this pot of water. I didn't say anything to her at the time, but I realized it must have struck me as something unusual. So that's what I wrote my story about. I wrote my mother, I drew a picture of my mother 
at the stove and this big pot of water and a big pile of parsley. And I wrote a few lines about the story. And I handed it in at school and really didn't think anything more about it. Several months later, my parents went to a teacher-parent conference. And when they came home, they were very subdued. And they asked me about the parsley story and why I had written it. Well, I had really no idea why I'd written it, and they didn't press the subject very much. And as he said, it wasn't until I was an adult till I understood what the issue was. Now, I have to take you back in time. As you can see, I am not a young pe person. And from that, you can guess that my parents are even older than I am. And if I take you back to their time when um, they were raising children, I have to tell you that birth control was kind of an iffy proposition. <laughs> and if you found yourself pregnant and you weren't particularly happy about it, you relied on old wives' tales about things that might help you. One of which was jumping up and down on the bed. I'm really not sure that was supposed to do. Maybe it was supposed to make the sperm fall out. I'm really not sure how that helped you. But as you can guess, one of them was drinking copious amounts of parsley water, which is the story I had written and handed into the school. Now, realizing that my parents are proper English people and the time that this happened, you can only imagine the mortification and humiliation of being at the parent-teacher conference and given the story of the parsley. I would love to think that everybody kind of laughed and said, hey, you know, it's a kid, what can you do? But knowing the time and my parents, I know that to this day they consider that a blot on their reputation as parents. I think the only saving grace for my mother was that at the time of the parent-teacher conference, she was obviously several months pregnant with my baby sister. Thank you. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Melissa Snavely, who told us about the time that s'mores put her family in danger. So a few serious foodies out there, I could tell you about some grilled scallops my husband made for me a couple months ago, and he served them on a fresh bed of arugula with a little uh, pan-fried pancetta and some balsamic reduction drizzled over it with a little chef, uh, fresh-shaved pecorino. It was awesome. Or I could tell you about the fresh Dungeness crab I had on the back of a boat in the San Juan Islands with cold shots of tequila. But no, tonight I want to tell you about s'mores. And I don't mean just any s'mores, I mean killer s'mores. And I don't mean the kind that are awesome, but I mean the kind that can kill you. <laughs> so a couple, uh, well, actually more than a couple years ago, my husband and I took our kids camping in the Adirondacks, way upstate in New York, and we were staying at Racket Lake, and we got to the campground, and we were looking for our site, because they, it wasn't sold out, so we could actually pick the site we wanted, and we found this beautiful little campsite tucked in the corner of this campground, and it had huge trees all around it, it had rocks and ferns and moss, and this 
cute little idyllic path that just kind of led into the woods. And we thought, how great to bring the kids hiking on that later. And for you who camp, you know how important this is. It had a nice flat area to it so you could put your tents up, right? And this year was going to be special. The kids were going to sleep in their own tent. Usually it was in the big family tent, the Taj Mahal, as we like to call it. But this year they had their own tent. So they went about setting up their tent, getting their sleeping bags in there, their books and their toys. And we uh, have a rule when we camp. You have to have dinner and dishes done before dark, right? So we got dinner going, got the dishes done, got the fire started, and we're all sitting around the campfire. Now... If this wasn't a rule of story slam about typically no music allowed, I'd have you all join me in a couple rounds of uh, white coral bells or don't put your trash in my backyard. But if you want to meet me at the bar later and have a couple beers, we'll do a little kumbaya. I'll get that out of my system. So anyways, we're singing the campfire songs and the coals get to that perfect place for, for s'mores, right? Those embers are glowing and they're pulsing. And earlier, the kids have gone in the woods, they've got their sticks, they've cleaned them up, they've sharpened the point, and we bring out the making of s'mores, right? The fresh pack of graham crackers, the big honkin' Hershey chocolate bar, and the big fat fluffy marshmallows, and the kids go at it, and they're having a blast. It's a perfect night. My husband and I are in like our third glass of wine around the campfire, and life is good. So the kids are about on to their third s'more, and I'm like, nope, that's it. Okay, time for bed. And uh, something you have to know about me, I'm not a huge camper. Um, I really like hot showers, running water, and beds, and clean sheets. But when I get out in the woods, I mean, three days can go by, and I haven't changed my clothes. I, and my dental hygiene, it's like a finger, little toothpaste, a little scrub, spit it out behind the poison ivy, right? And you're good to go. So the kids brushed their teeth, got into their little tent, and they got the flashlights going, and they're making shadow figures on the side, and they're giggling and poking each other and having a great time. Well, eventually, about a half hour later, the flashlights go off. It's all quiet. So my husband and I think, okay, we can go to bed now. So we knock down the fire. We check the campground one more time. Because if you have any lick of sense and you're in the woods, you make sure all your food is in the car, locked up, or hanging from a tree, or in a bear canister, right? So we've checked the campground. We go to bed and fall asleep. Well, I'm a mom. So I sleep with one eye open and two ears to the ground, right? And somewhere in the middle of the night, I hear a noise that wakes me up. And it's just a little scuffle, and I'm like, okay, that must just be a chipmunk or a squirrel. And I'm trying to roll over and go back to sleep, and then I hear a louder noise, some more scuffling, and, and it sounds like something's poking around in the bag of um, charcoal we had by the fire. And I'm like, that's not a chipmunk, that's... Oh my God, I hope it's not a skunk or a raccoon. I hate skunks, we've had those before. And then I hear a <laughs> And I'm like, that, that's, that's not a skunk, you know? And I hear something rustling around the picnic table. I'm like, we've put everything away. We've done everything we're supposed to do, right? And then I think about my kids' faces, those sweet little sleeping faces in the tent. And I can picture the chocolate, right? Right here in the corner of their mouth. And the crumbs from the graham crackers kind of in the folds of their hoodies. And a little marshmallow, you know, stuck in their hair. 
And all I can think is that all that's between me and my kids is 15 feet, a little nylon, and a black bear. So I am scared to death, and I have to admit, I was frozen. I hear the bear walk past the tent that my husband and I are in, and I can't say a word. I'm, I'm completely freaked out, and I want to scream because I'm thinking that'll distract the bear to my tent and keep him away from the kids. But I'm like Picasso's painting of the scream. You know, I'm just stuck. I can't make a noise. And the bear keeps walking towards my kid's tent. And I'm like, I should wake my husband, right? But the last time I woke him up in the middle of a dead sleep, he, we had a robber in our house, and he jumped out of bed, chased the guy out of the house down the street. But my husband sleeps in the nude, okay? And, and the, the police didn't know if they should arrest the robber or the guy running around buck naked in the neighborhood. So I'm thinking, that's not going to work, and it's too late anyways. The bear is going right there. And then the bear veers off towards that path that we thought was so idyllic earlier. Turns out we had camped on Bear Highway, right? Where the bear comes into the campground and eats all the food and goes back happy. Well, my kids will tell you, I haven't eaten a s'more since then. They love them, they gobble them up, but I make sure they wash their faces before they go to bed. Thank you. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Storytelling events will return to compete in our Grand Slam in November for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter, at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. Our podcast is produced with support from Our York Media. They're all about thoughtful storytelling, so we couldn't imagine a better partner. Visit their website at ouryorkmedia.com for stories about some of our neighbors. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.